welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 18, Episode 1, I, Wife Guy. The book, I, Jedi, by Michael A. Stackpole. The year, 1998. Chapters 1 through 3, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! Hey, welcome back. We're Expounded Universe, the Star Wars novel discussion podcast. I'm Jeff, and that's John. Yes, I am. Yeah, you are. I am. I, yeah, you know. I am. Don't worry. You you remain John, and you will you will remain I'm John. Yeah, and you will remain so, and go into the West and diminish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already pretty far west. No wonder. Walk directly west. <laughs> It's uh, from here about a, I would say about a 40 minute walk to the beach. Mm, yeah, maybe for a normal person. <laughs> for you, it's a 20, uh, it's an eight minute walk and then 10 minute Uber ride to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> it's about a, a five minute walk and then I remember, ah, oh, this sucks ass. I don't want to go to the beach. <laughs> and then about another five, 10 minute drive to an Arby's that I have dropped <laughs> off at. <laughs> Uh, we're all getting. You know, I promise I'll get a roast beach and cheddar. That's uh, a, it's, uh, it's a thing. Uh, it's a half sick. pound roast beach. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing all right. We're coming back from a little expounded universe break. Yes. Uh, now fresh. It's not like we've been been taking time off or anything. We just made the other shows the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. Even the time when we would have normally taken time off, we used it to make afterthought and uh, system mastery positive. That's right. Never not working. That's us. That's us. We are always working, even though our job is fake. <laughs> we got a fake job and the points don't matter. <laughs> but we take it immensely seriously and no one else does. If you ask the uh, U.S. Census what we do, it's nothing. We're indolent. Yes, true. <laughs> Anytime I go to anything and they're like, please tell us what your job is. I'm like, you don't. You don't have you this. You know I'm going to drop down to entertainer and then it'll be like explain further and I'll just put no. <laughs> yeah. It's like entertainer. <laughs> what kind? I'm like, I don't, none of these options. <laughs> I just lie. I'm in TV. Yeah, I'm a radio host. I'm a raconteur in international bon vivant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a gallant man about town. I'm a gat about. <laughs> Social butterfly. That's me. Ah, yes. <laughs> Click that on your census box, sir. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I am a foppish lad, and I shall hear no more. <laughs> I'm the idly noble, sir. <laughs> As the third son of my father's house, I will be entering the clergy. <laughs> <laughs> or clergy. I don't know which one yet. The clerg. <laughs> uh, anyway, we have switched books. It's true. It's time to do a big one. This one's got all. This one's right down the barrel of 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 uh, EU Star Wars lore. You're going to see more big names from other like uh, books and stories, so on here than you will in just about any other book we've covered. Oh yeah, I mean, not only is this a book that since we started doing the show has come up multiple times of people talking about it. Yes, like it is one of the big ones, but it is also. Sort of this culmination and turning point of an entire huge series of books before it. Mm -hmm. So it's got a lot going. Yeah, it's the tip of a big spear. And I gotta say the cover's funny because like Luke's not a character in this book. He might be. They, he may end up at the Academy at some point for like a little while. But 
the house style for these books back when they were publishing them was get Luke or Leia or Han or all three big, just like they looked in Return of the Jedi. Big face. Right there on the cover. Doesn't matter if they're in it or not. And here we see a giant Luke. Yep. The giant golden head Luke about to <laughs> kill the guys from the shop who are coming to take him away from VSI. And, <laughs> ah, lawnmower man He's bits. Still doing it. And then we've got uh, Corin Horn on the cover, who looks all the world like Charles Dance for some reason. <laughs> yeah, no, every time I look down at that, it changes what celebrity it is to me. <laughs> I mean, I kind of see either John Malkovich with Charles Dance's beard or Charles Dance with uh, John Malkovich's youth. <laughs> John Malkovich's prime energetic youth. Yeah, yeah, he's a young man still. He's a uh, he's a, a, a whippersnapper at 65 or something like that, I think. Yeah. At least compared to Charles Dance. Oh. Oh, makes Aww. me sad. I much prefer that he stay alive. Oh, Charles. Please, Charles Dance, don't die. Oh, Charles Dance, don't hurt him. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this is this is I, Jedi. The Corrin Horn uh, becomes a Jedi and rescues his wife, and he is very into his wife, the, the novel. God, the, the start of this book, I already knew, because we read the back of this for the wrap-up last time we uh, did an episode. Yeah. So I already knew that sort of the main idea of this was, oh no, his wife is, you know, kidnapped and he's got to go save her. Yes. But God, you could tell that shit was going to go down for her immediately, because oh, you're yeah. like, there's no way a male protagonist in a book talks about his wife this much in the first two chapters without something awful happening to her by the third yes well i mean specifically this this very much follows it, it's military fiction because he's he's the head of he's currently the leader of rogue squadron like the is uh, he though the uh, is I, he I, the leader i don't know if he's lead, maybe no. Tycho was currently the leader of rogue yes. squadron uh but he's he, anyway he serves on rogue squadron the x-wing squadron right now and uh it's a whole thing where he's like, I'm, I don't want to have a baby. I will have a baby. I'll tell <laughs> All right my wife. Then, a baby. My, my wife will be so excited when she finds out I'm okay with having that baby. And you're like, oh, okay. Oh. That means the wife won't be there. That's Oh, yeah. I mean, we're lucky <laughs> no that- No cop, no military man in a book or movie ever mentions their wife at the start of the movie unless that wife be dead. Oh, yeah. No, I was like- the fact that I know she just gets kidnapped is a relief, because honestly, reading the first two chapters, I was like, oh, he's going to come home and she dead. Like, that's <laughs> just for sure. The second you spend two chapters going like, you know what I love? My wife. Mm -hmm. And now the thought of a baby expanding our life. My wife and ours, mm -hmm. we're going to bring new life into this world and raise it. And I cannot wait to see my wife. My wife, who's at home, waiting for me when I get there, yeah. and she's okay, all that and was, nothing has happened to and her. And I am two days from retirement, yeah. but all that was really missing was him going home and finding his dead wife with a note that was like, I missed you, but I didn't miss your wife, Darth Mendoza. <laughs> Mendoza! <laughs> yeah, no, this was 100% just like, God, you need to just... Reel it in a little bit because you are really advertising bad shit is going to happen to this guy's wife. So let's uh, let, uh, first thing I really want to set for the scene of this book, and I think it might be the first one of the Star Wars novels to have done this in the old EU. It's first person. 
Ah, yes. It's written. It is I, it Jedi. Is, uh, yeah, it literally I, Jedi is a warning that's like, hi, it's me, Corrin Horn. You might be wondering how I got into this situation. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, uh, the tone of the, or the setting of this, the only Star Wars book I'm aware of that is written in first person. Hmm. There's probably other ones. I'm uh, sure there are. But this is the only one I've, I've, I've ever read. And uh, we open on him as a flight member of Rogue Squadron. I think he's currently leading the attack, but he isn't the leader of the squadron in general. Uh, yeah, there there are like three different groups that are doing different things. Yes, Rogue Squadron is expanded. That'll happen when you've finished. You're at the tail end of writing ten books about them in a row, or whatever it well, was. This is a uh, th- this Rogue Wraith Squadron thing is a big chunk of the EU. Yeah, so we get a full setup for why he is here and what's going on. Who's our big bad right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's a. <laughs> A group called the Invids, which okay. First of all, let's not let's not name things. This book came out in 1998, and those Robotech series were from like the 80s. Uh huh. So the fact that your bad guys in this are called the Invid is like, no, you you can't do that. That's not allowed. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I read that, I was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> oh no, it's because there's a Star Destroyer called the Invidious. And first of all, what is Invidious? Uh, I've only ever heard invidious uh, as a word that's about to describe something that smells bad. Like, I don't think that's what it means, but I've only ever heard it as like, what is that invidious reek or what is that invidious tang I'm experiencing? Huh. I think it just means evil, terrible, terrible, bad. evil. Yeah. No good. Very bad. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Max on the terrible, horrible, no good, invidious day. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this, the, there's the Star Destroyer Invidious which is uh, owned and operated by a rogue warlord named uh, Leonia, Leonia Tavira. Yeah. Both names sound like they're the new th- new car by Subaru. Huh. Like, I would drive a Subaru Tavira. <laughs> Come get your new <laughs> Kia Invidious. Uh, which apparently is likely to arouse or incur resentment or anger in others. Oh, okay. So, I guess just sort of... You know, unpleasant. Yeah, just sort of unpleasantness. (laughs) I'm flying the USS unpleasant. (laughs) So uh, Leonia Tavira is the the rogue warlord, sort of like uh, Grand Moff or Grand Warlord Zinj. Yes. Just one of the people who who has survived in the fallout of the old empire, empire and has risen to power largely because they were in charge of a Star Destroyer, which anyway, a slice it is still a kilometer long city bristling with weapons. Yeah. So even if the Empire gets out, anyone who still have one of those ships is doing all right for themselves. They can probably bully around whatever star system they were in. Yeah. And we know timeline wise when this takes place. Uh, a couple different things. We know this is post-Thrawn. Yes. And post-Reborn uh, Emperor. Post-first appearance Fourth. of Thrawn. Post-first Thrawn, post-first Reborn Emperor. Yes. Uh, the the uh, most direct way to know when this is taking place is that in the second chapter, uh, when Corrin Horn is still waxing rhapsodic about how excited he is to let his wife know that he wants to have kids with her. I'm ready to give you a hot cream pie, my darling. Yeah, I'm ready to buy matching t-shirts that basically say, I got cummed in and I did the cumming. <laughs> oh, man, we should get those shirts. <laughs> I would love to get them mismatched. Like one of us has a shirt that says I'm with stupid and the other one just says I did the coming. <laughs> oh, makes perfect sense. It does. Uh, but anyway, 
uh, he's got he's all excited to tell his wife that he's ready to go and impregnate her at, at her request. And he is waxing rhapsodic in his mind about how cute those Skywalker twins are. Those solo twins. How cute are those solo twins? Three years old. Yeah. And that's all you need to know to know that this is set in 12 ABY. Yes, indeed. Mm hmm. Uh, so we've got, you know, a little bit of distance between some things. Uh, we had the final wrecking of the Coruscant. Oh, the Coruscant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Coruscant. <laughs> well, that was, I think that's the end of the original Thrawn trilogy or duology or whatever it is that Thrawn manages to get an attack off on Coruscant and really Fs it up pretty good. Yeah. Like an entire Star Destroyer apparently crashes into the planet. So yes. it fucked up a large swath of place and there's that's like not even the only cor uh star destroyer damage that coruscant has suffered in this series of books because this is the series of books where isan isard the uh the the ro the evil general and former moth lady uh turns out that she was maybe an admiral i don't remember but anyway she was operating in a secret hidden prison under the surface of coruscant that turned out to be a buried star destroyer yeah. that she lifted off from the planet and fucked it up real bad Ugh. so lots of star destroyer damage all over coruscant right now lots of weird dumb shit so there's a lot of that but oh we never finished the invid thing <sighs> oh they're, no they're called the invids because they are of invidious they serve the invidious but what's happened is uh, Leonia has basically, instead of just being like, oh, I'm going to have my Star Destroyer and just use that, or try and gather a bunch of, like, loyal Empire people, she basically has an army of pirates mm -hmm. where she's like, okay, I will contact you, tell you where to hit, and... You know, I'll meet you there, or I'll just give you coordinates. Yeah, and if I smell an ambush, you can still do the thing, but I'll show up with a Star Destroyer and muscle the problem out of your way. Yeah, and, you know, if it's going to actually be, like, a for-real ambush, we'll just call it off, I'll let you know not to do it. Somehow, uh, she has great intel on the movements of the various squadrons. Yeah, we don't know that yet, but it seems like she might have an inside man or something. Who knows uh, what Republic squadrons are going where? Yeah, but the the basic upshot of her is that she doesn't have any strong designs to reconquer the Empire or anything like that. She's not trying to rebuild a new Empire. Uh, she's just a little lazy as far as evil admirals go. Oh no, she just wants she's the finer things. Much more like an actual warlord, yes, than Zinj was, who was really trying to rebuild an Empire. Yeah, him and like Hathrier. There's a bunch of those guys who were like, the Empire shall be reborn. And she's just like, nah, I just want stuff. I just want stuff. And, you know, one Star Destroyer really gets you a lot of stuff. It's amazing how much stuff you can get with a Star Destroyer and a bunch of pirates. Yeah. So the the uh, book opens with uh, Corrin Horn in his X-Wing with his droid Whistler, uh, and they are waiting because they know a pirate is about to show up and raid a uh, luxury star cruise liner. Yes. The Glitter Star. <laughs> the which, Glitter Stim. Which, uh, the, sky, the Glitter Star makes it sound like it's a My Little Pony character or something. I mean, you come up with a Both the names of the new ships in this chapter can, <laughs> can bite a fart. The Invidious, fine, I'm all right. Maybe you ran out of words that mean bad. Yeah. It's, it's I okay. I mean, it should be like Darth Vidious, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the fact that we're t defending the Glitter Star from the Booty Full. Yeah, is... the Booty Full is the, the pirate, ship. pirate freighter that shows up. And I'm just like, please, please, no. Not <laughs> the like Booty the kind of, Full. What, did, did, like, a dad buy that with his retirement earnings? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was going to name it the, the, the Sun Prancer, but then there were like six of those in the dock. <laughs> then I was like the Gone Fishing 3, <laughs> and they told me I couldn't do that, and I went with the Booty Full. <laughs> Man. Uh, so we get, they are in the, uh, asteroid field near a pleasure planet. Mm -hmm. Like they're basically at Star Wars version of Ryza. Yeah. And, uh, Zeltron probably. It's Al Karatha. I, I know. There's Al actually a name Al for it. Al Karatha. Yeah, no, I don't remember. It doesn't matter what it is. But they're there, and their plan is to uh, to ambush the pirates who are themselves going to ambush this Starliner. And of the six pilots who are here, most of them are fairly certain this is not even going to happen. That that uh, just the fact that they're there is going to be enough to spook the pirates. We have that intelligence network, and no one's going to show up, and it's going to be a normal escort run. Well, yeah, because up to this point, they've been like, anytime we have tried to set an ambush, like, we've been ambushed by them. Yes. But if we try to do the ambushing... They just seem to know and never show up. Yeah. Uh, now, this time, however, sure enough, here comes the booty fall, and it's a freighter, and it's covered in what looks like warty protrusions that turn out to be one of Michael Stackpole's favorite things, his biggest addition to the Star Wars universe, maybe, outside of maybe Corn Horn, uh, <laughs> Uglies. The, the tri-fold... Uh, oh, ugly is is a blanket term that describes any mishmashed hybrid of two existing fighters or two or more existing starfighters. Well, I mean, this one isn't that because no. they've got the actually built to be a three wing instead of the two wing tie fighter. Yeah, what these are is they're very similar to what they're tri fighters. They're tri fighters. They're they're a tie ball, the eyeball from the middle of a tie fighter with three stubby shuttle wings instead of a uh, the, the, the usual two flats. the two flats. Um, they are still uglies because they are they are they take the tie ball and then they've they're aftermarket built. They're they're built using spare tie fighter chunks, but instead of having the H shape, they look like deltas. Um, that yeah, but, they all look like Delta Burke. Yeah, they every one of them. Yes, no, but yes. but they're they're uh, uglies. This is not the first occurrence of. Oh uglies. dare you call Delta Burke ugly? Get out of here. <laughs> I don't know what the wings come from on these. Uh, the description makes them sound a lot like what eventually showed up to be the. Uh, uh, chiss fighters because chiss fighters are a tie ball with like three wings that spread out behind them that look a little more pretty and contoury but but in this case they're called clutches because the uh the orb that is the tie ball it looks like it's being grabbed by the three wings well yeah because you basically have like two kind of going on either side just supporting the ball yeah there's like landing gear and wing and then one coming up over the top yeah, they mentioned that they're, it's it's three, it's like an equilateral wings. There's one every 120 degrees. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so they're, they're, uh, they're wingy balls and they, they still have the, uh, the gun turret that a, uh, a TIE fighter would have. So the, uh, the, the front kind of double the turbo laser that's on the front of a TIE plus an ion cannon mounted on that top wing. Yeah. And ion cannons can shoot the power out of enemy ships, which is the whole point of them. So they can potentially be a threat. Plus they have shields. Yeah. These things are a real step up I from mean, TIE Fighters. Not a lot of shields. Yeah, but any shield at all is more than a TIE Fighter has. So. Yeah, TIE Fighter is just, woo, <laughs> death trap. TIE Fighter is like what happens if you're like serving under Longshanks and you're Irish. You, you don't want to be in a TIE Fighter. Wow. <laughs> Send in the Irish. Wow. We have reserves. <laughs> uh. So... You know, these things are an upgrade, which I always find funny that almost all of the uglies tend to be upgrades. 
there's so many of these. You can find like a tie ball with like Y wing, the nacelles coming off the back of it, or an X wing cockpit with tie fighter wings. They're, they made a million of them. Yeah. Anyway, these uglies are there. They are. They're actually going to try and raid the glitter star. And then they just get mopped the fuck up. Well, they, yeah. they are not expecting a fight, and they are not equipped for one. Not against a, an ace type uh, X-wing squadron. Oh yeah, because they split the squadron into three. One of them is going to go uh, specifically protect the Glitter Star itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, one squad is going to go after the uh, the booty full. And then Cornhorn is leading the squad that's just mopping up various fighters. Yes, him and his wingman Uril, uh, Agand, are going to and and that's a that's a fun new species. I don't know if you're doing that for your bonus content or what, but but Gand is uh, that's what Zuckus was from the from the yeah. the, the b- bounty hunter the collection. Bugmen. Yeah, they're moth guys. There's lots of bug men. They they're the mothy ones. <laughs> they got mouth bits. Yeah, and big compound eyes. So uh, him and Uriel are going to be cleaning up the uglies, and turns out they're terrible pilots, and he just flights, flo- floats along like a like a leaf on the wind and blows the shit out of like 12 of them. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they start out, and because they have the surprise, all of them are like, all right, every single X-Wing, get a target lock, shoot a missile, blow up a shitload of them. So before we even engage them, we've knocked them down to like half their numbers. Yeah. And then they get into a full-on dogfight, and and one tie, uh, X-wing loses a dogfight, and the uh, pilot gets knocked out of the the ship and is fine. She just goes extravehicular. They'll pick her up in a minute. Yeah. Now, uh, Uril does get uh, blasted by an ion cannon, uh, but he ends up being fine. It just sort of took out. He has to float away and restart his engines outside of the fight. Yeah. He gets like he gets sent to the penalty box, but he is perfectly fine. Yeah. Where uh, Cornhorn beats up a bunch of them and then ends up fighting the one good one, which is always how these squadron fights go. And there's like, there's one good one. Ah, finally a battle worthy of my skills. Yeah. But even then it's mostly just like, yeah, no, like you're pretty good. You're using the fact that your like tie fighter body is more dodgy and maneuverable than the X wing. But, uh, I'll just, you know, ease off you a little bit and then take aim. (laughs) Yeah, and she gets on the radio with him, and she's like, ah, I've heard of you, Cornhorn. Finally, a battle worthy of my skills. I demand a duel. It, my honor demands it. And he's oh, like, yeah, he's like, look, I've got you dead to rights. I, I'm just... I love good. this, because he basically goes, yeah, sure, whatever. And then as she starts flying around for the duel, he shoots her with a missile, and he's like, yeah, pirates don't have honor. I'm not going to... We're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're, we're not having a fucking head to head showdown. I'm not going to come at you guns blazing while you shoot at me. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to shoot a missile at you and be done with it. It's probably the most important thing that happens in this chapter because it, it establishes that Cornhorn is not a man who is beset by notions of old timey knight honor. No, he's just like he's like, nah, I already have a target lock on you. I'm just going to use it. Uh, your Your words are cute, but I'm not the kind of guy who's like. I have killed enough today, right as I run out of henchmen. Yeah, no, sorry, you're you're neat and all, but I fought enough pirates and I don't give a shit, so yeah. no. So he shoots a missile at her, and her, to her credit, she manages to spin the ship around, ion cannon the missile, and the missile still hits her anyway because it's going real fast and blows her out of her ship and she dies. Yeah, hey, <laughs> Sir Isaac Newton is the deadliest motherfucker in space. <laughs> yeah, that thing had a lot of momentum and was still a metal chunk coming right at her. Yep, so... You know, good honor for trying, but... Uh, God bless her. I mean, the fact that she... Because mi- she missed with shooting the lasers at it, mm-hmm. which would have helped. And, like, 
even hitting it with the eye on him, like, that's impressive. That's a fast-moving fucking torpedo coming at you. Yeah, so very impressive. She still is, however, <laughs> still very dead. Meanwhile, the, uh, the the other two ships that have been assigned to go take out the booty full have managed to strip the shields off it. Oh, yeah. And, and they start melting the cannons all over it. And these are all, like, people with names you've heard before. Yeah, Varulf and so on. They're all characters from old Rogue Squadron But books. we've got, like, a Dark Lighter in here. And oh, that's right. Ga- that's Gavin. Jansen and yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Gavin Darklighter is here. He's that's an old name. He's from episode four. Yeah, Tycho Selchu's here. Oh, he's here too. Okay, yeah. Uh, Jansen, Hobby, Darklighter, all yeah. of them. Hobby, Cliven. I forget Jan- West Jansen. West Jansen. Yeah, these are all names we just know because we have a bunch of X wings in that miniatures game. That's very <laughs> accurate. Why do I know any of these? Because of a little X wing game. How come we don't have a stat card for Uril? Uril. Let's make it happen. The one person we don't notice, and I believe that's because he's off forming Wraith Squadron and doing his own thing now, Wedge. Yeah, Wedge is not here. I think this is going to be a wedge-free book for the most part. <laughs> no wedges. No wedges. No inclines. No uh, no simple machines. <laughs> We're not getting a spiral screw here. <laughs> no Archimedes screws. No fulcrums. <laughs> no pulleys. You name it. We're not doing simple machines. Uh, uh, anyway... They uh, they capture the booty full. Yes. And then uh, they contact the Starliner, the Glitter Star, which requests an escort back to Coruscant just in case of additional pirates. And they're like, sure, can we come aboard? And they're like, Haha, no, but <laughs> we will send uh, out a Skipray Blast Boat, which is one of my favorite Star Wars ship names. It's <laughs> my favorite name of a pilot in Star Wars, yeah. Skipray Blast Boat. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll send out a runabout Skipray Blast Boat from the luxury liner to pick up your extra vehicular uh, pilot and put her on board your support ship. Yeah. Now, uh, they don't have to just, you know, go back to Coruscant in the X-Wing and just sit there for a day in their shitty little fighters. Uh, they had an entire, like, Mon Cal cruiser and a couple other battleships waiting uh, in a short jump away just mm-hmm. in case... This was an ambush for them. Yep. So, you know, they at least get to, like, hang out aboard a cruiser instead of being like, yeah, sure, thanks. We saved your ass. And now I guess we'll sit in our tiny, cramped fighters for an additional day as we take you back. Yes, that that, that was uh, uh, the fact that they didn't get allowed onto the Glitter Star was ameliorated by the fact that they at least get to go park on one of those spindly Mon Cal cruisers and, and catch a ride back that way. Yeah. Uh, on the way back, Cornhorn participates in the traditional rouse, uh, razzing of anybody who gets knocked out of their ship but doesn't die. Yeah. I assume if you do die, they, they eulogize you instead. They're like, oh, ah, yeah, a brave warrior who fell in battle instead of like, oh, you fell out of your spaceship. I bet that was scary, you nerd. Oh, <laughs> did you fall out your spaceship? <laughs> You're demoted to team joke. <laughs> so he participates in a little razzing of what's her name. I don't we'll, we'll look her up if she becomes important later. Um, I doubt she will, because I'm pretty sure this is all rogue cop on the edge goes herring out at, after a problem without taking his squadron with him. Oh, for sure. But this most, is yeah. this is a big corn horn deal. Yeah. But instead, what he does is he goes off to sit with his wingman, uh, the Gand Uril, who is uh just real nasty to be around because he's like oh i'm seeing him in the mess hall and of course i'm getting little breakfast cakes and milk and the gand is eating (laughs) 
Tentacles and gravy. Yeah, tentacles and weird gravy. Yeah. And he's got, you know, little bug mouth parts, which are just creepy to look at. Yeah, I like the description that you can tell when, when Uriel is smiling because his mouth parts spread apart wider. And I, I guess if you're friends with him long enough, you just learn that that means well, yeah. smiles. That's, and I mean, I think the book was like, yeah, they just adopted that so that you would know. Yeah. They're like, I'll try and do an approximation of a human smile. I just move my mouth parts to the side, right? That's what you guys do. There's a lot of foam in there. Yeah, it's part of it. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of foam in there for you guys, too. (laughs) Uh, But Uriel is nice. He has participated. I think they said he was a gen. I think he's genuine. Uh, yeah, was, he's he genuine. Went, he went through a genuine ceremony. He rode the pony. Yeah, and now and that allows him to use I instead of his own name when talking, which is normally considered the height of arrogance in Gand culture. Yeah, normally you have to refer to yourself in the third person because mm-hmm. saying I is like, wow, you must be full of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so the ceremony is like, no, you're actually important enough that you get to say I. Yeah, I forget the name of the ceremony. It was a long string of vowels, but uh, it did make him genuine. I think it's actually genuine or something like that. Something. That was a, a, a gand who was a finesman and therefore allowed to use the I instead of their name when talking. Yeah. But Uriel is not used to being a person who's allowed to use first person when referring to himself. Janwini Jika. Ah, Janwini Jika. Janwini Jika. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Now, but uh, because he's not used to using I when referring to himself, when he is troubled or uh, trying to k- keep a secret, he will accidentally slip back into calling himself Uril. Yeah. He's got some third person stress tells. Yes. And so he's like, Uril welcomes you. What can what can Uril do for you? And <laughs> even though that's like the biggest tell in the world, that's like in poker, that'd be the equivalent of like, hey, guys, is two kings good? <laughs> Hey, guys, what are the ones with the little uh, crowns? <laughs> I don't even need to see the river. <laughs> Wait, is the river the first one? Was it a, is the, 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 well, the, the flop is the first. The flop's the first, then the, the turn. The turn, then the river. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The river! Yeah, I don't even need to see the turn. I'm, I'm doing great. That's my tell. <laughs> but no, uh, but Corin Horn, meanwhile, who... If you don't know anything about the character, he was trained as a Corellian security officer, so he is literally a cop, yep. not just an X-Wing squadron he's pilot. Corsac. He's Corsac. He is actually an ex-cop. Yep. Um, But he's like, hmm, you're using your third person. What aren't you telling me, Uril? But Uril's mostly just like, yeah, I, I heard you're having a baby. Hey, uh, I talked to your wife, uh, and he's like, oh, my wife. How I love my wife. Her <laughs> sweet smile and dark hair. Ah, hmm. uh, the best. I got to go tweet about my wife. Hold on, I need to let everyone know on the net about my wife. <laughs> yeah, he's very much into his wife, which, you know, Mirax Tarek is a great character, don't get me wrong, but uh, he is just laying it on. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, he spent the entire first chapter in the middle of a dogfight going like, but is it ethical to have a baby right now? In these dark times? Should I have a baby? Wait, that's just selfishness on my part. Oh, yeah, goes through the whole, like, I tried to argue my way out of it with uh, my wife, and she was just like, no, no answers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he, yeah, she had every answer ready for every one of his adolescent dude knows, which this guy's on like his third career in life. Uh, so he's old and he's got no good excuse. I mean, his only good excuse at this point is, but I'm old. Yes, because he has already tried to be a Corsac officer and a Jedi. Um, but anyway, 
Uriel's like, yeah, I talked to your wife and I heard you were having a baby. And he's like, hey, we didn't agree to that. And Uriel's like, yeah, no, I talked to your wife. You're having a baby. Yeah, no, I don't think I you understand. You, you, Mirax wants it, so uh, it's, you're it's, having a baby. Your your opinions are mostly just for, for like, color. <laughs> you know, she'd like you to agree, but it's happening. <laughs> and he's like, huh, shit, I guess I am. Wait, I get And Uriel's like, yeah, it's a big honor on your part. Also, I, the reason I'm talking in third person is because... I feel kind of slighted and insulted because she came to me to ask what your opinion on it was, assuming that you had confided in your best friend and wingmate and you had not. <laughs> yeah, he's a little hurt by that. And he tries to deflect, does Cora, and he's like, well, how come you don't have any kids? And I want—I really want to do real to be like, I do. My whole process is weird and gross. If you want to see the big leaf that's just like 300 eggs under, we can go look at it. But I can tell you, I'm not going to be a real, like, you know, throwing catch with my kids for like 26 more cycles, buddy. I ain't, I ain't a, you know, a real big involved helicopter dad here. We, uh, we, we're moths, dude. We do a bunch of weird shit. You know, I, I have a kid, but he's in his third instar. He's really annoying. <laughs> but no, he's just like. Well, I uh, our whole genetic like, oh, transmission. Oh, I definitely fucking will, though. Oh, I will. Uh, I already got through the process where I became genuine. Uh, <laughs> so now I'm just waiting for my planet to call me and be like, it's fuck o'clock. And I'll be like, it fucking is. And then I'll go down there and participate in genetic transmission. Yeah. He's just like, basically, I wait until the planet finds someone who's got good enough genes that they're like, ah, yes, we want you two to mingle and create a generation of super awesome badasses. Yes. And yeah. uh, once that happens, I will do my absolute duty as both a member of the Republic and of the Gand species to populate and bring new life into it, as we all should. It's part of our contribution to the future, Corrin. And huh? that's the thing that Horn? Horn... That's the thing Horn needed to hear. He's like, contribution to the future? I want kids. <laughs> But he also calls out Uriel for being non-romantic when he's like, I can't wait to participate in genetic transmission. He's like, oh, way to suck all the romance out. I really want Uriel to be like, dude, you already feel uncomfortable sitting near me when I eat. Do you want to hear about my ovipositor or nah? Also, <laughs> hey, man, when you're doing big cums in your wife, I don't need to hear that either. <laughs> you don't need to wear a special shirt to let me know that you basted the turkey or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Humans are gross. You're gross and I hate it. <laughs> firing your genetic material and information to each other like fucking cannons. I find it offensive. <laughs> uh, just <laughs> throwing your genetic information like spaghetti against a wall and hoping it sticks. We have a civilized method where my wife goes in a room, puts a bunch of eggs in there, she leaves, and by the time I go in there, she's already three episodes into Queer Eye. <laughs> and I go in there and I do my thing and we don't even have I just come back out later and she's got dinner ready. It's civilized, not like you weirdos and your goops. You got goop on each other. You got to put your goop in the other person's goop. It's not. I. I it's gross. <laughs> Humans. <Ugh. laughs> anyway, that's the chapter. They take an extra day to get home. Yeah, they certainly do. And then we are home. We are on Coruscant. And uh, we establish right away that Corrin Horn is just yet another person who's like been given a castle on the planet to live God in. God bless him. <laughs> he's like, oh, you know. When Thrawn attacked and destroyed such a giant swath of Coruscant, especially, you know, towards the capital mm -hmm. here, uh, we lost our home, did uh, Mirax and I, and mm -hmm. uh, it was real sad. But then, you know, the government came up and said, ooh, Cornhorn, you are so muscly. Here's <laughs> an entire house just for you. In the Menorai Hills, the, the only part of the we, uh, uh, that we even know about on Coruscant, the rich people part. Yeah, here's a nice 
what we use as a safe house because it's in the only part of Coruscant that's safe, Menorai. Mm-hmm. And uh, you oh, can... we get it all to ourselves. And... It used to sleep 24. Yeah, you get it all to yourself. Uh, and a whole bunch of, he's like, oh yeah, and everyone came out and started giving us stuff because we mm-hmm. had lost everything. So, you know, turned out nothing could have been better for us than losing our house in that crash. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there are a billion dead or displaced here mm-hmm. and they have nothing, but you know, they're well, not Corrin Horn. All the people who lost the low income housing in the, near the capital where it all was, they're screwed, but you know, we get a castle. <laughs> You know, to ourselves. Uh Uh-huh. Nice big castle for ourselves. I'm not concerned about the plight of the little people. Look, I like to spread out when I sleep. (laughs) And by that, I mean I roll around a giant mansion, room to room, as I sleep. I already share one of my six bathrooms with my wife. What else do you want from me? (laughs) The other five are mine. Those are man cave bathrooms. (laughs) Those are man (laughs) throoms. But uh, he takes a bus home. Noting that he probably could have caught like a speeder or something to get there, but he's like, I don't really care. So he takes a bus to the Menorai Hills to his house. On oh, there he sees a mother with her little baby child mm-hmm. as it coos and grabs for her and she, you know, whispers in its ear and it laughs and he's like, yes, that's <laughs> what life is about. The laughter of a child. No destruction is as powerful as creation, he says, looking down on a billion dead people. Mm-hmm. Instead of, uh, you know, he, he was lucky he was on the prophetically useful bus, as opposed to the one that would, like, ward him off of things, where it's like a three-year-old aunt screaming because a balloon popped yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the balloon popped yesterday. Please stop. Bring it back! <laughs> I'll give you a different balloon. No! It has to be the same balloon. I want that balloon! It was my friend! I'm gonna scream till i'm in college (laughs) oh wait a minute i've changed my mind kids suck (laughs) but yeah babies are great kids suck while he's watching the cute little baby he's like and then of course the news footage of jason and jana isn't helping because they only show the cute stuff yeah they don't show little jason and jana when they're dribbling all their goopy bits out their nose and mouth and being what i want to know is What I want to know is why are they showing them at all? One of the things we establish in these three chapters is that this is during that time period where they're on secret planet without Leia and with winter. Yep. So they're in, they're they're extradited. They're gone. They are not to be known where they are. And yet, for some reason, there's news footage of them constantly. Well, I mean, when they come back, I, that's I, a big oh, okay. thing. So I guess they're doing like monthly visits. I feel like that would ruin the uh, the info sec of the whole like we take them to hide planet. Well, I mean, the big thing is. No one knows where they go. Like, any time they come back on a planet, obviously, Leia's very high profile. Paparazzi are going to be around, and they're going to see the kids. Yeah. I think that technically means that this is happening concurrently with uh, the Jedi Academy trilogy. No way. There's yeah, they were three. three. They were three when they came home, and she was, like, giving them baths and stuff. I think that was this, they were the same age when Winter brought them home that time. I thought they were five. Were they five? Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. know. It doesn't. It, it, I. I could. I thought that was them being three. And we were like, "Come on!" They were acting like five year olds. Was the whole thing because they kept being like they were talking like mother. They, no, they were talking like cavemen. They were I doing want, that. Yeah, me want. Yeah, Jason want no bath. No bath, Jason. No bath, mother. Stay dirty, mini sons. <laughs> ah, I go play in hills. Find many buffalo. Hunt, hunt giant sloth. Yeah, they they were doing that that kind of weird caveman diction that only fictional babies do. Yeah. Anyway, um, he gets back to his house, and it's a nice, big, spacious house. 
And the first thing he knows is, oh, Mirax is definitely not home. The house was locked. Her bowl of fruit that she usually keeps around is not around. Well, it really sounds just like fucking hot and shitty in there. And that's right. Like, she didn't turn the AC oh, yeah. on. Because if either of us leaves for any amount of time and no one's going to be there, we turn the environmental conditions off because it's no reason to waste money in our giant mansion. It's funny because it makes it sound like the Menorai Hills and Coruscant in general are like a balmy hot. Hey, it might like, be summer on Coruscant. It might be, but he's like, I open the door to my house and I'm immediately enveloped by thick, hot air. And I'm like, thick. What happened inside your house, man? I thought you lived in the nice part of town. Oh, no. <laughs> I had a couple of gand here. Uh, they were making babies. <laughs> they were thickening the air. They That's thick- part of their thing. They thicked the air up real good to make some babies. <laughs> this is why I told them no sharing. <laughs> this is why I should never have put up my mansion on Airbnb. Next they were you know, definitely filming porn here. Next thing you know, my house is full of mothballs. <laughs> oh, it, it yeah. had some mothballs, yeah. you know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> you're, picking Slapping. Up, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Uh, so he's like, oh God, my wife's not here. What's going on? Oh no, her, my her, wife. It's funny. It, my dis- beautiful wife that I love so much. The description makes it sound like they are very much apartment people who now live in a castle and don't know what to do with it. Because uh, he's like, I can tell my wife's not here because her bowl of fruit that she uses is missing. And I'm like, her bowl of fruit? Don't, like, don't you live in a fucking giant house? Shouldn't you have like a pantry? Nope, she keeps a bowl of fruit around. Yeah, she needs to have a bowl of fruit on the kitchen counter for some reason. And instead, she's put it in the conservator, which I guess is a cool Star Wars thing that keeps your food from rotting. Yeah, some kind of cool thing that keeps it refrigerated <laughs> it'd be neat if it was a fridge but i think it literally is like a stasis pod thing <laughs> it's just floating in yeah. a little pillar of light it's like a back to tank <laughs> it comes out tasting all back to e but at least it's fresh still hmm back to that's when he notices that the hollow table that's in like their living room has a blinking message on it ah yes oh you left a message for me that's great and turns the message on, and it's his wife being like, hey, honey, I gotta go. Uh, you should only be alone for like a day. I'll be back, and I love you so much, and I can't wait for you to do a giant come in me. And don't forget that I love you, and if anyone says I don't love you, tell them they're wrong, and I do, and I definitely want you to do a giant come in me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get shirts that commemorate it. <laughs> uh, I want to get posters up around the house that says he did it. <laughs> I just love that. That's one of my favorite little memes to run into. The whole like, like uh, I'm cooking a turkey and I basted the turkey. <laughs> I'm cooking a turkey and I gooshed in her vagina. <laughs> I barebacked it. <laughs> I didn't use a condom. <laughs> so anyway, um, he's like, wait a minute. It took us an extra day to get home from the uh, because of the glitter star requesting an escort. She should be here now. If she said I was only going to be waiting for a day, if she was anyone else, I'd be like, eh, she's just late or something. But Mirax is never late and never gets in trouble and always gives me exact amount of times that she expects to be gone. Why, if she was going to be here in 25 hours instead of 24, she would have said that. Yeah, thanks for telling me that that Coruscant has an exact 24-hour day cycle. Thank you. I would not have expected it to. But here we are. We've learned a new thing. It's 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 Earth, but all city. Great. All city Earth. Mm-hmm. Oops, all city. <laughs> God, my wife, my wife is missing. And, and then he's like, eh, I'm overreacting. She's probably just been held up. It's a dangerous galaxy out there. Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, she uh, could have visited her father on her, his ship who occasionally has shitty communication problems. So she might have tried to send a message, but 
his garbage crap ship didn't have the ability to. <laughs> Did he actually say something about how his garbage crap ship sucks? Oh, no. He was mostly just like, their communications might be down again. Oh, okay. So I just inferred that his ship was crap. Nope. <laughs> This is our first introduction to Booster and Mirax Tarek. Uh, they're major characters of the EU, but we've never personally met them before. His ship is a Star Destroyer. <laughs> and yet his communications go down enough that he would say again. I assume it's because the New Republic at this time literally couldn't afford to, or he's not even New Republic. He's a information broker slash smuggler slash like smuggling pirate. Yeah, he's, he's an independent yeah. contractor. Which means I, I, I still have a hard time picturing anyone because his whole deal is it's a recovered Star Destroyer. They got it from the Empire and then he claimed it as he salvage. He got it at auction. No, he claimed it as like salvage or something, but it was empty. And you know how many people it takes to crew a fucking Star Destroyer correctly? It's in the tens of thousands. There's no way he can afford that. It's like if you own a Star Destroyer, it's like you're in charge of Walmart or something. So uh, maybe it could be that his, his uh, radio keeps going down because he's trying to run a Star Destroyer with like 50 people. Maybe. That, that might be it. I don't know. I mean, I figure you could run a Star Destroyer with a skeleton crew and it wouldn't be that many, but it would be you have no one manning any guns or anything. Yeah, no, the, nobody in the hangar bays to maintain the, the ships and so no, on. No, it would just be like, what do you have? We have the bridge crew yeah. and a maintenance crew for the engines. <laughs> you're real lonely on the back of that ship when you're like, you know, a mile oh, away from anyone else. Yeah, if you're in the fucking engine room, you're like, yep, I sure am just as far away from anyone as I can be. No one around here. Yeah. Guess I'll jerk it. <laughs> the engine room is pregnant, and I gooshed in it. <laughs> We're having baby Star Destroyers, and I'm the daddy. Uh, we call them Gozonti class. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that he yeah, he he's coming up. Because Mirax is a smuggler, that means that this is really more of a Han and Leia relationship with the genders reversed. Yeah. Where he's the one who's like part of the military and deeply invested in the New Republic. He's, he's super responsible and, and whatnot. She's, and she's a smuggler who goes off all the time. The difference being that she's a very responsible, timely, informative smuggler. Oh, yes. So he's just like, my wife is missing, but I should probably try to relax and go to bed. Yeah. And then he does. He goes home and tries to go to bed. And, and he's all pissed off because he's like how dare she not be here when i decided i wanted to have a baby i know he's like grumpy about it <laughs> i was gonna get here and be like let's have it the unprotected sex my wife <laughs> and she wasn't here to receive my seed i was all primed now i gotta go do it in the sink <laughs> i'm gonna go get the sink pregnant it's <laughs> a gross episode we gotta <laughs> hey <laughs> look from now on, this is the only episode where this will happen because he was talking about having babies so much. Yeah. Babies are disgusting and having babies are disgusting. <laughs> if you have a baby, you're nasty. <laughs> I mean, I already knew. If you are you're not, a baby, you're, hurting, you're nasty. You're not hurting my feelings any. <laughs> I knew I'm gross. That's right. And I got a gross baby. You got a gross baby running around, dipe out, screeching about things. She's in potty training. She's got to be dipe out because it takes less time to get her pants off so she can go to the bathroom. Yeah, I know. She's a very good potty trainer, and I oh, love her very, very much. Oh, she's very good. Yeah. She's working. She does it very much on her own. She's just like, I did a poopy. She'll come running in with a poop. Hey, I pooped. Yeah. You're like, you're like I didn't even know you had to go. She's like, that's what's great about potty training. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, he's all sad because he didn't get to, didn't get to uh, like, seat up his wife. Yep. And he instead had to seat up some, like, hyper-clean-ex or whatever. Ah, uh, uh, yes. The fl flimsy-necks. <laughs> Hollow plast. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The plasty-wipes. 
And he goes to bed, and then he wakes up and has, like, a genuine freak out. Ah, yes. It's weird, because he wakes up, he's like, this isn't my art! What is happening? Where is my beautiful wife? He's, like, starting to, like, forget her or something. Yeah, so he has a weird, like, force dream Mm -hmm. where when he falls asleep and he starts to have a dream, he hears his wife yelling at him, and then he wakes up and can, like, just sort of barely see her and hears her yelling out his name, Mm -hmm. and then... He straight loses his entire shit. Yes, he's like, like chapter three opens with him just being like, "What the fuck? Where am I? What's happening?" Ah! He's like, "There's art, of course. There's fancy, expensive art on Coruscant on all the walls, but it's not places I've personally been to. Why would anyone have art of a place they didn't go to? <laughs> it looks pretty, but that doesn't matter. That's mania." And then he has a. a it's weird because. He gets out of bed and immediately kicks at a uh, a table yes. on accident. He stubs his he, toe on a table and he's like, who would put a table here? I never would. Yeah. Basically, for some reason, having a forced dream about his wife causes his brain to begin forgetting everything about his wife. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I can't remember anything about her. I look at her clothes and I don't remember which ones she thought were sexy and which ones she thought were good for business. Oh, I don't remember anything. My wife, my wife. <laughs> yeah. So he, he stubs his toe and then he gets mad at his stuff. This is a very believable, relatable moment where he gets mad about stubbing his toe while he's only like halfway out of bed. And he gets so mad that his other foot gets tangled up in the blanket and falls off with him. And he slams head first onto the ground. Oh, that's yeah. The, that's that thing where you're like angry walking and dumb shit keeps happening to you because you're angry walking. <laughs> yeah. You wake up. You've had like three hours of sleep. Yeah. You woke up like blurry eyed, fucked up. You stubbed your toe. You got so angry. You kicked the table, which hurt enough that you fell down. Yeah. And then when you fell down, you hit yourself. And you're just like, God, oh, fucking God, shit. Fuck. It's that kind of thing where you stub your toe. You get, or you get mad, bad news. And you stomp out of the house and your like pocket gets caught on a doorknob. <laughs> it's that shit. You know, when you're angry walking, more bad shit happens to you. <laughs> walk into a spider web all of it too focused on walking mm-hmm. angry yeah and not focused on what's you're, going on around you're trying you. to performatively walk angry and the next thing you know you get your like belt loop caught in a gate or something and you're like oh god everything today <laughs> uh, so but then he's like okay he, i'm starting to forget my wife and i know she's missing because i had a weird force dream god damn it and so he, he calls like, his base he fucking plays the message from his wife again and is like it's the same woman but it means nothing to me now. Why, I have no emotional tie. This could just be a glamorous woman on an ad for Alakarath or whatever that planet was. With the, <laughs> this could be an ad for Lum or... <laughs> oh, that's right. Lum is this this book, and I believe this chunk of the EU's word for beer. I guess. Mugs of Lum are a big constant mention thing. Mugs of Lum? Yeah. Again, give it back to anime. Hey. Quit stealing shit from anime. Yeah. Stackpole, goddammit. <laughs> Invids and lums and stuff. I mean, knock it off already. I- I'm sure there's like protocultures coming up next. Next chapter. <laughs> next chapter. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so what happens is uh, he starts to, th- he's like, I think I'm forgetting my wife. And we, at this point, this early in the book, we don't know if this is like a real thing. If he has some kind of forced disease or a Darth is doing something to him or whatever. He might just be freaking out because he's three in the morning. Or he's just having a freak out. Yeah. We don't know. But he calls his base. Yeah, he calls Rogue Squadron headquarters mm-hmm. and is like, my wife. <laughs> yeah, and he gets some droid that has like a clam head. 
And he's like, M. Trey, I need your help. And he's like, yes, of course. What can I do for you? He's I like, need to ask you a series of stupid questions. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. and They're all going to seem very stupid and very outside of reality, but I need you to take them seriously. And he's like, all right, parameters included. Yeah. Let's do this. I really wanted to be like, yeah, that's the whole reason there are droids is so that we can answer awkward, dumbass questions from crazy people <laughs> without going, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> droids are here so that people aren't like, <laughs> what a dumbass. <laughs> You think that's bad? That's <laughs> my sciatica, <laughs> my sleep paralysis demon, my wife. <laughs> I need listeners. I need you to know that every time I say my wife, I do Italian hands at he Jeff. Does. He does every time. He's giving me a little, little of the uh, touch all the fingers together up. A little, hand. a little. My wife, Italian <laughs> hands. <laughs> But anyway, he's like, I need to know, I, I, it's like, what year is it or something? And am I married is the big one. <laughs> am I Corin Horn? Yes. Yes, yeah, you yeah, are. You're Corin Horn. Am Regre I married to Mirax? <laughs> am I Corin Horn? Regrettably, sir. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. I really wanted this to be a mean droid. <laughs> Your vocal pattern matches 95.4954, uh, and the variance could just be because... It's three in the morning, and why are you calling? Am I married to Mirax Tarek? Yes, sir. I was at the wedding. I was there, and I, so was a lot of other people. I we took, took a, hollows of it. There's a bunch of hollows, and he's like, oh, God, my hollows. The hollows of the wedding were all destroyed in the in the attack from on Coruscant. But then we got more from other people who also had them. But I don't have them. My wife has them. I should, ah, I should watch. I can't watch those hollows now, because what if I respond to that in the same way I did the recording? Yeah. What if I don't love my wife because I had a dream? It Droid! My wife! <laughs> Regrettably, sir, your wife. <laughs> He's like, anyway, contact Tycho Selchu and tell him I need to have a meeting with him immediately. He has a meeting in half an hour. Tell him to cancel it. I am on my way. My wife! <laughs> My wife! And then, sure enough, he just gets in a bus. He even mentions to himself, I could have taken my fancy airspeeder, but I don't think I'm in any condition to drive. I'm like, dude, it's like three in the morning. I don't know what traffic you're expecting. I guess it's Coruscant. There's always traffic. I don't know why Taiku Selchu is still up. I'll tell you what's really important. It's like three in the morning. Buses don't go to rich neighborhoods at like three in the morning. Ah. <laughs> Buses don't even go to rich neighborhoods. Oh, it's the rich bus. <laughs> Welcome, sir, to rich bus. <laughs> mm. Yes. Are you a brandy and newspaper type of rich bus or beating a woman type of rich bus? There's You, you get the two options, sir. <laughs> Welcome uh, to rich bus. Well, Welcome to rich bus. It's terrible. Would you like to bet on dog fights? <laughs> <laughs> We're the worst here at rich bus. <laughs> This is my new idea, Money Bus. You know Money Plane? I found a cheaper way. <laughs> money Bus. Money Bus. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer, listen to this. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer? <laughs> if I got a bitch. Marvin Grammer? Have you ever heard of Money Plane, the movie? Yes, of course okay, I've so heard of Money Plane. All right, just wanted to make sure you knew about the rumble. Yes. Okay, all right. Anyway, so he takes a bus to his headquarters and barges right on in, and there's Tycho. He's like, I heard what you need. What's going on? And as he's saying this, we get... Another guy also walking into the room because he's like, I couldn't cancel my meeting. Just it, it's with the general. Yeah, uh, it's you are a captain and this is a general and I don't care. I'm going to have my meeting with Aaron Kraken because he outranks you a lot. And also, I think he might be able to help you. But this is this is the point in the book that I, where I wanted to talk about the constraints of first person writing. Yes. Very briefly. I know we have a, we've been going long, I'm sure. But um, 
but yeah, th- there's a point where he he wheels around to see that the the uh, elderly general Aaron Kraken is in the room with the two of them, and he's like still 100% off his rocker, just thinking, my wife, what's going on? I'm losing my very mind. Aaron Kraken is here. What now? You know, Aaron Kraken has green eyes. Very green indeed. Not green like mine. Mine are forest green, where his are more of a sea foam green, but they, they're they no less piercing for it. What beautiful eyes. And set in an old body, yet he hasn't begun to round around the middle like so many elderly do. He's maintained a trim figure, imposing, this Christ-like fit. Hmm. Anyway, my wife, I'm losing my shit. I'm like, when you do first person, you got to find a new way to describe the characters that walk into the room. Because this guy, he should be like, Aaron Kraken's here. What the fuck? I don't have time to think about that. My wife. Instead, he's like, hmm, what if I give him a full visual rundown? <laughs> I mean, he does the same for fucking Tycho. He does it for everybody. He does it for he's that like, fucking oh, toy. yes. Tycho staring out the window cuts the perfect figure of a poster boy soldier. Steel straight spine. Why, he's a whip smart Soldier of a man who will slap you and tell you you're pretty. Uh, wait, what was I talking about? My wife! <laughs> yeah, he does it for everybody. He did it for the droid. Where he was like, it looks like a regular uh, protocol droid, but he's got a weird clam head. Because we purchased him from some group that made clam head droids for aliens. Clam it's- droids. <laughs> it's just a fun, kind of odd constraint of writing in first person that I always find amusing. Yes. And I'm sure we're going to encounter a lot of it. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway... We're at the point where, where Seltu's like, yeah, what's going on? What's what, what's wrong with Mirax? And he, I heard that she's off planet, some kind of meeting or something. And he's like, she would have been back by now. Oh, look, something's wrong. I know something's wrong. And I got to I got to figure out what's going on. And I got to I got to go find her. She's in danger. Yeah. And and he's like, he's the like, general's like, now, son. <laughs> I'm gonna start. Now, son, talking. I say, son, son. Now, son, I'm trying to have a meeting here, boy, boy. <laughs> You're crazier than a June bug on a jaybird. I tell. Why it's powerful hot in here. <laughs> Why don't you come on up for a spell and some lemonade? <laughs> Are you coming on to me? (laughs) Oh, oh, why, I'd never do that to such a handsome young lad such as yourself. (laughs) Now, you say your wife's missing. Well, now that is a doozy of a wonder. (laughs) I don't think I've ever pictured Aaron Kraken (laughs) as a a seersucker-clad elderly southern gentleman before, but it is official now. But Kraken's like, look, I got to talk to you about uh, Leonia and the shit that was going on. And he's like, I don't give a fuck about pirates. Well, you My will. My wife. Your wife is involved in it. And I, but there, look, there's this will become relevant. Yeah. Chill for like a minute. And he's yeah. like, oh, fine. So the the last major character we need to go through in this chapter, I mean, is Leonia. Because we, we do, uh, Tavira, the admiral that we're in, in, of the Empire faction, um, we get, they, they call up a hollow of her as... For whatever reason, the Kraken's like, well, this guy's crazy as a nut, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do the entire 10-minute PowerPoint presentation. I'm thorough. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I came here with a presentation, and I do aim to do it. <laughs> now help me wheel over that overhead projector there. <laughs> now, as you can see here. <laughs> Oops, these are vacation slides. Oh, my dear me. We're going to do them anyway. <laughs> 
Uh, here I am at Dollywood. <laughs> now, can you get a boy in here to help me with these slides? Why, I'm just no good with this newfangled technology. Have him bring a mint julep as well. I'm powerful parched. <laughs> God damn it. Ugh. Anyway, um, they, they call up a picture of Tavira, mostly just to impugn her character in a way that I feel is ubiquitous to women in the empire that i'm starting to get very sick of it's uh it's pretty much mara jade that escapes this bullshit oh yeah this is now our third super awesome very intelligent powerful lady of the empire who is only in a position of power because she fucked her way there yep we have uh isan isard who was some general's pet project i forget i think might have been tarkin i i, I admiral dela was also tarkin and uh, now we, we encounter this one, who at least sleeps with a moth moth I've never heard of before. Yeah, a different moth. Yeah, some some random one. But they, they call up a picture of her, and they're like, wow, she's gorgeous. Look at her. Dark hair cut to her jawline, purple eyes. What a pretty, sexy, sexy girl. And they're like, this is her when she was 16. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm a dirty man. I'm a dirty, dirty man. My wife. My wife. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kraken just mopping the sweat off his head with a rag. Mercy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is her when she was 16. This is when she started banging a moth. Yes. And the moth had a wife. My wife? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, took her on because, you know, even though she was just 16, mm -hmm. because every single one of these, oh, she's super powerfully intelligent and mm -hmm. driven and just crazy good at her job. And so a moth decided, you know what? I'll let you come work for me and I'll bang you. And then I'll his wife died. Keep it a secret. And then his wife died. And then he died under mysterious circumstances. And then she took over because I guess that's how starship command works whoever you're banging currently is in charge of the ship i have to assume that happened after the empire fell or else it wouldn't make any sense yeah and it, it definitely did because she's described as not that much older than 16 now yeah because the uh captain of the bootyful oh yeah that they captured uh rosado was like yeah here you go i got a picture of the captain eh? you want a picture of it I got it for you, my wife. The captain of the bootyful. They misspell his name the first time they say it, so it looks like it's Rizzolio Olio or something like that. Rizzolio, but it, it, it's it, it's Rizzolio mm. or Rizziolo. It's Rizziolo. Rizziolo. Yeah. So uh, so Rizziolo is the captain of the bootyful, who's like giving them a little bit of information. What we establish here is that we get a little. Uh, uh, we already talked about her current modus operandi and what yes. she's doing. Uh, this is the chapter where they go into that in great detail and explain it all. And they they mentioned that um, basically this op that that Rizziolo did and got busted on was unsanctioned. He was trying to go outside of her jurisdiction. Yes, that's and the only reason that this actually went down well mm -hmm. without them being ambushed or anything crazy happening is because this guy decided, fuck you, I'm going to do my own shit. Yes, and she hung him out to dry because she can and because it sends a message to the other pirates. Yeah, because... They're like, I'm sure, given how, how she operates and what she's done in the past, she probably knew we were waiting in ambush and just didn't tell him to make an example of him. Yes, exactly. The moment he challenged her on power at some level or another, she was like, okay, the next stop you do, I'm going to say it's a great idea and then I'm not going to help and you're going to get swept up. Yeah. And I'm going to make sure you don't know anything useful and that's just going to be the way it is. Yep. 
But we cut we we show the hollow over at the first place, so all three of these dudes can be like, "Ooh, she's so sexy and hot." Oh, well, pretty these, sixteen. These, these empire ladies. Ooh, and then they cut to like another shot of her, like at twenty two or something, and they're like, "Oh, she's old now, still hot though." I'd still maybe throw her one. Yeah, he's like, like, oh, yeah, uh, none of you, none of you are good. All of you out. No humans. Give to me, the ocean. Get, get good Ulix or whatever his name was in here. That guy seemed cool. I want a bug man that will just go, ah, yes, a human. that is a human. <laughs> that is a disgusting human firing goop at each other like they always do. Ew. I want no part of it. <laughs> Which type of <laughs> disgusting human is this one? The one that gushes or the one that receives gushing? <laughs> Can it be both? <laughs> Ew, <laughs> ew, do not want. I am a bug man. Yeah. So they they, they uh, ogle the pictures of her, which is really unpleasant. And then, yeah, basically, it turns out that Mirax volunteered to go be part of an information finding assignment to try and help track down the current actual whereabouts of the Invidious and, and uh, Tavira. Yeah. And she's missing, but... It's a top secret operation, and Aaron Kraken is willing to tell uh, tell Corin Horn this much. Yeah, your wife agreed to do a super secret operation for us, and she's missing, and no more. Yeah, not going to tell him where she is or what she was doing or anything like that, because he's like, she might not be, like, missing, missing. She might be actually doing the job that we sent her to do, Yeah, and she's not communicating because that would fuck up her entire thing. Yeah, my guess is she's embedded with a group. That's the kind of woman that she is. And, and uh, Horn's like, I'll have no part of it. I'm going to rescue my wife. But he does it by like trying to play on uh, uh, Tycho Selchu's sympathies. He's like, what, hap- what would you do if Winter were in this situation? Yeah, we've, we've mentioned in other books that Winter and Tycho Selchu are married. But this is the first time we've met Tycho, so this is kind of neat. And he's yeah. like, he's like, do you know where Winter is right now? And Tycho's like, dude, you know I don't. She's on that weird secret mystery planet <laughs> with the, with the Solo twins. Yeah, she's she's on fucking nursemaid planet. I don't know. That's a weird thing to go after me for when you very well know that she very publicly is in an undisclosed location with the twins. Oh yeah, but he's like, don't you have that connection? Huh? Where nope. you know everything and where she is and what's going on? Also, no. You're force sensitive and I'm not. I am flying entirely blind every time my wife goes to Mystery Planet. When my <laughs> wife? <laughs> this is a, you're being so mean to me right now, Cornhorn. I know nothing about what happens to my wife and I'm terrified constantly. Mm-hmm. So and, why and here don't I you... am in a room doing my job. <laughs> why don't you go back to the mansion we gave you and chill your tits? <laughs> Tits just remind me of my wife. My wife! <laughs> but yeah, he's just like, uh, screw the both of you. I'm going to find her. And Kraken's like, son, please don't. You would be enja- endangering a-, a huge amount of work that we're doing right now. There, trying- it's a vital mission that, yeah. you know, if you fuck it up, could not only screw up any information we get, but would put your wife in way more danger than she probably is right now. And he's like, but I'm a man. Yeah. So I'm doing it yeah that's exactly what happens he's like you can't stop me i'm a husband and i'm like that i don't i have a particular set of skills aren't you in the military and both of these guys are your superior officers shouldn't you not but you don't understand you see i had a bad dream about my wife yeah and they're gonna be like all right very good i'll just contact that droid at the front desk and have him set your x-wing from yes to no (laughs) 
I'll go ahead and ground you. Yeah. What, what do you try? Instead, they're both like, there he goes, all half-cocked the way he always does. I, oh, you yep. got to admire a man like that. This is the problem when your entire military is formed out of former rebellions. <laughs> oh, now, I hate to see him go like that, but I do love to watch him leave. <laughs> oh, man. I... There's no way that's what Aaron Kraken is. <laughs> and yet, the fact that he is now just like the Colonel Sanders <laughs> is fine. The Sandersification of Aaron Kraken is our gift to you, the listener. Yeah. That's our apology for all the nasty gushing talk. <laughs> nasty gushing talk is what we should have called this episode. Oh, man. We should have a new podcast. Nasty gushing talk here right. on NPR. How much extra money can we extract from the people to do nasty gushing talk? <laughs> Maybe ones of dollars. Ooh, singles of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Tucked into our nasty gushing G-strings. <laughs> Ooh, buy them now. Our nasty gushing G-strings available on our website. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's uh, the first three chapters of I, Jedi. The uh, the first, be the beginning of a new Star Wars era for us as we kind of dive into the middle of the actual EU uh, and stay out of the fringes for a little while. Uh, stay tuned. It's a big book. There's like 50 goddamn chapters. So we're going to be alternating between three and four if you're reading along for as much as we can. Probably still going to end up at like 16 episodes or some crazy thing. But hey, who cares? It's fun. It's a long season. It's going to be a long season. And uh, we'll see you real soon. As always, you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash system mastery. Support us at the $2 level and you'll unlock our Star Wars bonus content where we look up crazy shit from Star Wars to tell to you. That's right. All the background information and shit you just didn't care about, all of it's there on Wikipedia. We find it, we tell you, and then you have to know it just because, you know, we found it. Yep. That's our our promise to you is you will learn shit about Star Wars you wish you didn't know. That's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, again, at the $2 level, but there are other levels to unlock, including the $1 and $5 levels, which can get you so many extra podcasts to keep you busy through those long work hours those long winter days mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh just turn to us for all of your oral entertainment needs <laughs> that's a u oral gushing in your ears <laughs> <laughs> and until such time as we return to gush again i've been elan sleaze bagano and i love death sticks my wife <laughs>